Brandon Steiner, and this is Unplugged with Brandon Steiner. I got one of the gurus with me today, and if you're a sports marketing, sports business, if you have interest in that kind of stuff, this is the guru. This is a guy doing this way longer than me. Rick Hauer is a friend. The sports business handbook, he covered it all in here. We're going to figure out what's behind it, but if you actually want to learn a lot more about sports business, it's probably a good book to pick up right out of the gate. You can get a really good one-on-one yeah. vision. Good to see you, Rick. Hey, you know, so we haven't. I, I was going to tell you, we, we, we CNBC, yeah, NBC. You, you, right, you were doing yeah, yeah, sports business shows before before sports. they were done with exactly. the leather helmets on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, before yeah. people realized that now it's such a, a pioneer, man. I got to tell you, I don't know pioneer. if people realize like this is a gift. If we were going to get wow. into the real art of the sports biz, yeah, there you go. You were like. Dialing pioneer. down on CNBC and sports radio, and there, there are two ways know. to look at pioneers. I mean, a pioneer like you know, maybe I'm a John Glenn pioneer as opposed to one of those guys that blew his spaceship ship up. Okay, <laughs> but so you know, the sports business, as we know, trillion dollar, trillion three. When I was in law school, uh, I bamboozled a professor into allowing me to write a thesis on hockey fighting, and I was at Harvard, and there his comment was. Well, we're Harvard Law School. We don't do sports business. We don't do sports law. There's no such thing. And the little story, by the way, was that John Roberts, who's the chief justice, my roommate, was wow. my squash co- coach. So the dean, egotistical, 80 years old, said, you don't play squash, easy picking. So here's my deal. If I win, then you're going to give me a hall pass, and I'm going to go to all the stadiums and get a uh, survey stuff for the next three years and write a thesis, and you're going to sanction it, but it's sports, and that's the way it's going to happen. You wrote if, a thesis on? On hockey, the excessive violence in the criminal law, and I did it when I was 20, 23 years old. In Harvard, there was a first thesis ever at the law school, and I tell the story because you'd appreciate it because you and I are both old enough to understand how hard it is to break into a business when there was no such business at that time. So, and if if, if he won, suck it up and be a normal student, get bored and, you know, be a lawyer like everybody else is. He was 80 years old and I won and John Roberts was my coach and that defined the business of sports law and sports business. It's in the book, by the way, but that was, well, that was 50 all, years ago. And now you've, you've seen sports business come, go, yeah. and you're there really in the early stages when, you know, almost, you know, IMG, Mark McCormick, right, right, right. another pioneer. Why did you write this book? Who's this book for? Yeah, well, it's for people who are breaking into the industry. It's for people who want to impress their friends at the water cooler. It's people who want to know a little bit more about the business. And the way it did it was was a snowball. Paul Tagliabue was the first commitment, and he said, why don't you write a little bit about stuff? And I said, yeah, help me with this. And he said, I'm not going to help you write the book, but I'm going to write a chapter. And then he wrote a chapter, and then because he did, Donald Dell did. And another pioneer another from pioneer. ProServe Advantage. Jerry Colangelo then another pioneer. did. And then Steve Ross did. And then Don Garber did. And Gary Bettman did. Commissioner and when you look at Yeah, and, and wow, wow, luminaries. Wow, There's all chapters in the book. All chapters in the book. And luminaries in this business, like like Brandon Steiner, who is the king of memorabilia. Brandon's in here. And by the way, the thing about yeah, the I book, did do a chapter in the you book. Did the, yeah, I, you did do a chapter in the book. I thought it was fun. It was a it fun. It was fun. Uh, it's a fun yeah. foray. But when you look at it, everybody's got their own perspective. And I said, write whatever you want to write, write about advice for kids, define what the biggest moments are in the 50 years of the sports business, and tell us what the business is going to look like 50 years from now. So this is the first book that ever did that, 50-year anniversary. We're at kind of the point where the first 50 years, a billion, a trillion three, and then the next step. But when you think about all the people in the book, I'm heartened. 
most of the money goes to Special Olympics, covers administrative costs, not making a lot of money out of it, so but it's a legacy more charity. By yeah. the way, if you have a question for Rick, we're going to do a Q&A because I know you're out there and I know we get a lot of sports business entrepreneur questions. We're going to take your questions. Just click right below. And by the way, some great questions. Always get gift cards and everything else. Cool. What's the biggest surprise? I mean, you've been doing this so long, and I, I, have, I have my own answer to this, but what's the biggest surprise you've seen knowing what you know now but you never saw back then? about how dominant kind of opinion leaders are in the industry and, and how they can make changes around the industry itself. You know, like owners? Like owners. Well, all right, so certain owners like, like George Steinbrenner, like, like Joe Lacob with the, with, the, with the Golden State Warriors, the new owners, the old owners, like Jerry Jones, who was hated originally and now loved, guys who took a stand and said, we're going to change the world order. We're going to share revenue in a way we didn't do before. We're going to do cable. Mark Lazarus, uh, not an owner, but a friend, NBC Sports, really good big, friend. Big. By the way, chapter in the book. And what he said was, I don't care anymore about over-the-top TV. He does, but it's not the big deal. I care more about digital because, you know, my kids and everybody else, they watch the phone. They don't watch the television. So he had the leverage to do it. And he said, I'm going to create this whole world where global, uh, interactive, iPad, iPhone, that's going to drive it. Well, the trends are when somebody like that steps up, and you in the memorabilia business, seriously, you know, you said, I'm going to create a process where you don't have to worry about authentication. I am going to be certifying the industry where if we didn't have Brandon Steiner, and I mean this with all due respect, the industry would be shot because everybody could make up well, stuff. Well, maybe, maybe it wouldn't be an industry. But what's a, when I think about collectibles, like, I don't, it wasn't an industry. It was yeah, kind of no, yeah, right. But you know what's surprising to me is when people forget there was no sports right. on TV. That's right. You waited for one game on a Saturday afternoon for a baseball game. Or tape delayed. The NBA Finals are tape delayed. I bet that. You're lucky you got a couple NFL games. If you were lucky on a Sunday, I just was shocked when I think over a very short period of time how we are inundated with sports games. It used to be like, wow, there's a big game on tonight. No, there's a big game. Matter of uh, fact, many games on every right. night. Surprise you now the level of sports TV and content that's available? Yeah, and the surprise, too, is how we've uh, come a long way from something where it was like salaries where you never thought it would get this high and it went, got this high. When you look at, at Rasmussen, the guys who founded ESPN, and they're saying, Australian rules football, look at all the crap that's on television now with a 24-hour sports network. Late 70s, early 80s, here it is. Now ESPN's got four. We've got 480 cable channels we've got channels that don't even reach television but they're on your phone and now i'm gonna give you a tough question rick don't give me your mount rushmore of sports business wow give me the people that have had the biggest effect on this incredible industry that's developed how many how many are on the mountain i'm gonna give you you know i'm such a basketball junkie let's go five let's go five i'm gonna give you five your biggest five names let's go each five basketball do basketball first David Stern for me. Over Michael Jordan? Uh, interesting. See? But now you and David Falk and the whole deal. And no, that, no, 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 no. Syracuse. I'm no. a huge David Stern fan. David Stern's done more than Michael Jordan globally as well. Michael Jordan made the game popular again. But let, let's put it this way. His post-retirement career, his ownership stuff, the Washington Wizards, and be great. I know that's heresy. You shouldn't be saying that. But he was the best on-the-court player I've ever seen. I would say that. But impact, though. Yeah, I impact. mean, All right. you're, you're, you know, you're we're talking about Air fine. Jordan. Well, we're talking about, you know, 
making it no big deal to have a black person yeah, or a fair. white person in a commercial. Fair. Agree to disagree. Okay. We got to. All right. Baseball. How about baseball? You go first. Well, I mean, God, it's a toss up. Yeah, I mean, is. because you got to look at Jackie as yeah. being yeah, yeah. extremely pivotal yeah. and uh, pivotal, and then you got to look at. Well, I'm going to go with Jackie. No, me too. We don't. We don't disagree. All right, okay. hockey. Oh boy, that's a mm, tough that's one. A tough but I'm going to have to go with the great one. Yeah, me too. Number ninety. Me too. Well, because of what he did in L.A. and what he did in Edmonton and how he revolutionized the game in the Sun Belt. That's we we agree too much. That, right. That's not fair. How about all right? How about how about how about football? It's a, it's going to be a big one. Football is a tough one yeah. because you know there's so many different people. You know, you talk about the AFL, you know, Joe Namath, even as crazy as that may sound, or um, even Pete Rozelle, really. Lamar I mean, Hunt, Lamar Maybe. Hunt, yeah, yeah, maybe Vince Lombardi, yeah. Jeez, um, that's Demaris. a tough one. How about the guys, the Packers guys, the 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 Maras? All of you, I hope you. I hope this is a young demographic too. But but I, mean, I love to hear your opinion. Yeah, like, yeah, who, yeah. But come your, on, man. I mean, who's on your who's yeah. on your Mount Rushmore? I mean, yeah. who are the most pivotal people that have made sports now into what it is today? Maybe we should have maybe we should have uh, broken it down. Your your Mount Rushmore are players uh, that have had off the field impact, right. and then your businessmen. Well, and by the way, one oh, businesswoman. And we'll we'll do it again. Yeah. But one of the things that's really cool in the book is that we asked each of the contributors to give us their top 50 sports business moments because of the impact from their perspective. So, for example, Paul okay. Tagliabue, commissioner of the NFL. What was that? One of the, his, his was um, the first time the NFL was ever televised Super Bowl in Uganda. Well, why? Well, because it, it established the Super Bowl as a global television process. It's when not, was that? Uh, Remember? 82. One eighty-two. When was the first time the Super Bowl was even on national TV? Sixty-seven. The first one, but remember, the first one was NBC and CBS had it simultaneously. The ads were thirty-five hundred dollars a piece, and you could turn it on. You had it on both networks. Uh, you remember? You don't remember this, but but yet you, you turn it on. And you don't like uh, Kurt Gowdy, then you go to CBS. <laughs> it was amazing. I got to tell you, I, I miss Kurt Gowdy. I'm not going to lie. I miss so Howard I. Cosell. So I do mean, I. You know, that, that's Howard what broadcast, was, right? Howard Cosell was one of the first guys when I was in law school. He uh, was in, and then a clerk for a federal judge in Washington. He heard me speak at some thing, and he said, hey, I can't do his accent. Yeah. We, we, had brec- we had lunch every two weeks. Howard I used Cosell. to call Howard at yeah. ABC yeah. and he'd pick up the phone. And I yeah. would just try to come up with like opportunities yeah, to Yeah, but you, you and I are kindred them. spirits because we yeah. would be, you know, just like, I don't care if you're famous or not. I want to talk to you. Sit down. I want to talk to you. So you I know. would just, I mean, I would just do anything I could to try to figure out a gig for, also Marty Glickman was another one Marty too. Glickman was great. Marty, I would bring, up to, I'd bring him up to the cat, to, to, yeah. to Kushner's and do our Q&As and yeah. Oh man, he was brilliant. Just spent a couple hours in the car with him. The stuff that was just they well, had seen. How, how do you think the business has changed in the last fifty years? What's the one big thing from your perspective? Well, I think the the, the biggest thing as of late is the women involvement. Yeah. The women involvement, as far as their uh, ability, their their interest in not only playing sports but watching men's sports, right. the buying power. I mean. I can't believe how many women I see at a professional game, and they're not with men, and they're not looking to meet men. They're with their girlfriends, and yeah. believe me, they're talking the game. Like I'm like, whoa! I mean, schooling me. Like, did you see that curveball? I'm like, whoa! <laughs> like, can you believe he threw a curveball yeah. on that two two? Yeah. Like, you know, just incredible the level of interest, knowledge, and I just think women are so critical, obviously, in so many ways. But, but buying power. I mean, yeah. they make so many decisions in the house, well, and if they start buying sports stuff, buying tickets, and I think they've had a big impact. Take it to the bank. Women's statistically, women's 
women make 128% of all the buying decisions, at least in my house, way over 100%, right? And, and more. And, and, uh, and you know, the, the bottom line, too, is I think yeah. it probably used to be in your business, maybe, that the woman, you know, would buy some special thing for a birthday or a Christmas present for, for their for their husband. Not not so now. I mean, they're, they're buying stuff because they're in the business. I yeah, would say exactly. the best decision I ever made was marrying my wife. Yeah, probably the last decision I made, and <laughs> and it's 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 you know it's just ironic. Like now, the one thing that was kind of like this male skewed thing. Because I yeah. remember when I first got in the business uh, in the early nineties, we were doing like football one hundred and one, right? Basketball one hundred and one. We'd have a former player come and be a whole audience of women explain how the rules go. Almost like that would be insulting now. Was, like very, right? very insulting. It would very be insulting. Insult. Like women were like what? Yeah, Are you kidding. And, and, and I'm hoping, by the way, that this translates into some key sponsorship. For companies that understand that women, you know, forty-one percent, yeah. the NFL says of their fans are women, and you see the hockey yeah. women boycotting and the World Cup not getting as much on the female side as the men's side salary-wise. I'm hoping in the future that kind of evens out sooner or later. No, I mean it, it's not not for a while. I think the women are going to give a run for the money on the yeah. basketball thing. On the basketball thing, they will. But the problem is the sponsorship dollars, which drive all of this, it's still. You got to go through Madison Avenue. We know how hard that is too. But you know the, the translation of women making the buying decisions ought to automatically mean you we'll think. step up. Well, but they make the buying decisions to watch men's sports. They don't make the buying decisions as much to watch female. Which, sports. by the way, another dramatic change in the business. When we got in this business, you didn't see a sign on the outfield, nothing yeah, on, yeah. on a uniform. Right. <clears throat> It's insane. You but now it's it. marijuana signs. How about that? There's nothing. Gambling. There's I nothing. remember when Viagra, <laughs> when they called me and said, Brandon, can you find somebody to be a spoken for Viagra? And? Well, I called every, I, mean, I was yeah. trying to make a commission back then. You <laughs> know course. what I mean? I was trying to get I was yeah. trying to get that Let up. Let me explain. Let me explain what this is for, people. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> that and, uh, where I made a big score, though, was, was prostate. You know, I, yeah, I, yeah, they yeah. were coming up with men, yeah. you know, men getting tested for prostate. Yeah, yeah. And my big score was uh, initially signing Johnny Unitas for that. That's and then cool. we got Stan Musial, we got a bunch yeah. of players, and we made a lot of money with athletes going around, you know, really pushing men to go get – men would never get tested. No, but but now with athletes yeah. doing it, they'll do it. And I remember some of the non-sponsorship taboo stuff. When I was doing all my NFL stuff doing stadiums, I remember Paul Tagliabue and Goodell and everybody saying, look, put these deals together, but don't touch Indian land because that's gambling. Don't touch casino gaming. Don't talk about sponsorships of stadiums. If you want to find some public money somewhere, do it somewhere else. You, we, we can't touch it. Now, you know, gambling, esports, fantasy, you go to a stadium, and I defy you to find one outfield that doesn't have a gambling sign on it soon, this uh, CBD. I thought CBD, by the way, I'm sorry, stood for Central Business District, okay? <laughs> CBD is now, I Man, mean, now, big. you know, it's did big. you see that? The Indy 500 it's now big. announces for the first time they're going to do some of that stuff, big. which ironic. Were you, were you early on on the naming rights for stadiums? I remember yeah. you being like one of the first to, to yeah. start working on that. Yeah, what were some of your early did. deals? What was some well, of so the guys that did uh, the PSLs in Charlotte, I was involved in the first PSL stuff, and then Joe Robbie did with the first PSL. Now, everybody thinks that's a you know easy thing to do but back then you mean selling the rights to buy stuff well we do it condominium we do that all the time but in a sporting uh, facility no i mean you gotta i gotta pay for the right to buy a ticket well maybe for a yankee season ticket waiting list maybe but how about everybody else and then the answer was well if you don't want your team leaving there's got to be some other source of revenue so here it is so yeah i took it kind of in the face for years i was the pioneer of all that stuff and then when the naming i, lo- rights I came, loved your show on cnbc by the way it was yeah. cnbc right well cnb and then cnn i did yeah, some stuff and i'm still really doing good. some of that stuff too so i gotta ask you because you know i have a lot of respect for this guy and he's a genius obviously 
all-time winningest coach, but yeah. really such a smart off-the-field coach business-wise. Majeshevsky writes your forward. Yeah. Where'd you learn from him, and what was his input in the book? Well, his input was his, his input was great because he was kind of a guiding, defining guy to kind of help understand why this book is special. And Jerry Colangelo, who was his boss at USA Basketball. The two of them were you know, yeah, and, collaborating and, in such a big way, I think, putting USA Basketball back on the map. Exactly. It takes that kind of collaboration. But but Krzyzewski knows, understands the business part of it, Yeah, has to complement and work with the basketball part of it, and he has a great aptitude for that. He would have been an amazing CEO, although he really kind of is he now. He is a CEO now, right? but he's a CEO of a – get this, though. He's a CEO of a, of a company where – the top guys turn over every year. I mean, that, that's, a, that's an amazing thing. I mean, you know, his one and done, he didn't embrace it. He didn't ask for it. But when you listen to him, he says, I got to play by the rules. I got to play by the rules better than everybody else does. So he loves Calipari because he completely is one and done. It's like if he has a second guy, he's failed, right? So that's it. But with, with, uh, with Coach K, you know, Tyus Jones coming back. He's got some guys coming back, but they swear to it. What was his takeaway in the book? What was his input on the book? He provided um so so coach k wrote wrote the forward about how important it is to get some perspective so when you're in school when you're wanting to change careers when you want to think about sports and career when you have a career that touches sports this is the kind of book that will give you some perspective from a hundred different opinions and in his kind of gateway forward discussed all that with me for me and it was really fun the biggest issue for him is my, one of my daughters is now at Harvard Law, spent four years as a Cameron crazy, so he cost me major tuition dollars at Duke. And then my daughter was accepted at Harvard. Well, it seemed like said, it worked out for her, though. Hey, it worked out for her, and one of the things she accepted at Harvard, and she said, Dad, you know, I, I don't know, Harvard's great, but that Duke education, I love it. No, 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 you're going to Harvard because I already paid four years at Duke. I, I, you can be a Cameron crazy. I'll fly you down there anytime you want. But, uh, you know, so Coach K. It's very addictive, it's that, very, whole, uh, that whole thing. The, the whole and thing, especially so, the Duke yeah. UNC, that kind oh, of thing, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. But Coach K, and one of the beauties of this book is, when they realized that this was a favor and they realized the other people who were in it. So, you know, Steve Ross begat Jerry Jones, Tom Ricketts, the owner of the, of the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, when you think of all of the people in here, uh, mayors who have put deals together as well, uh, all of the major commissioners, uh, Paul Tagliabue, a retired commissioner, um, Jack Nicholas, Gary Player, a little secret, all in the is book. in there. All in the book. Gary Player's in here. All wrote chapters. All wrote chapters. Gary Player wrote a heartfelt chapter. They all wrote it themselves or had people, you know, under their direction write it. And so when you think about it, it's the collection of business friends reflecting on the last 50 years of the business, and that's my legacy. If you're a business student, love sports business, or in business and kind of want to see a little bit of you know where sports business is coming from in a very wide direction, is a must book to get. I mean, Rick, Rick is... And in, first, if you ever read these case studies, they're amazing. You have a question for Rick? We're going to start doing a little Q&A. Drew, you're on uh, with Rick Howard here. Got to pick up this book. This is a no-brainer. If your kid is in sports management or you're into sports business, this is a no-brainer. I'm going home tonight. I'm, I'm plowing through this book. There you go. It seems like an easy read, though. Easy read. Easy read, yeah. Yeah. A couple oh, questions for Rick. Uh, a couple questions about expansion and MLB. Uh, Scott asked particularly about Charlotte, but Gregory asked just about like where you think the teams might expand into. In well, two-part question there. I mean, one is where do the teams ultimately go? you got to solve Oakland and you got to solve Tampa. And before they expand, they've got two stadium situations. So expansion is all about creating a supply that is 
one less than demand. Every league wants to have one city out there that's everybody's stalking horse. And so Charlotte might be interesting, but remember, they've got teams. Vegas, as a baseball city, would have been great years ago now with the Raiders in and the Knights in. I don't know if they can handle three, but that's possible. Monterey, Mexico, a dark horse. Take a look at that. Austin, Texas is a dark horse, too. Austin, Texas is a dark horse, too. I don't agree with you on the Tampa thing. I think Tampa's got enough money coming in on their TV end of it. Yeah. But the question is, can they revamp that stadium? That's, and, see, that's the thing. But, yeah. you know, money in the TV is great. So, And plus the central fund in baseball, by the way, reimburses them. So they're going to be all right. But it's hard to have a team that's playing really well, and they average 5,000 people a game right. against that, the Yankees. And that's the thing you don't realize also with the Marlins. Like they're yeah, getting heavy-duty luxury tax money. That's right. I mean, they're, they're getting the most out of every team. Yeah, and by the way, the, the other owners don't particularly care for that. Oh, no, no. That, that will not happen in the next collective no, bargaining agreement. Totally that's agree. going to get tossed totally in like, like that. But that's very smart on, <clears throat> on the Marlins' part to yeah. know they're getting that kind of money. So... And they are going to get Well, there was this guy who used to play for the Yankees. I forgot his name. He's now the owner. What, what's his name? I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. You are you selective ignorance. They, you know, Yankees, uh, by the way, I'm a Miami fan. I help bring baseball to Miami. And, and, but you know, he's you, a you, smart guy, You can have though. him. You and can that, have him, that, Go that, take him. But that's the sleep. Well, he's not too popular down there now. No, but, he's not. But that is the sleeper part that people don't see as he's evolving and developing a young, yeah. you know, obviously developing a whole right. nucleus for a new franchise in a lot of ways. Not easy to do. Got to give him a lot of credit. He's got balls to do that. Yeah, he does. But you don't can you realize. Say balls on a, can you say balls on a Facebook? No, you say whatever you want. Okay. Shit, whatever. Right. But it's my like, wife gets like, upset yeah. when I say bullshit. So I no. don't really promise they're not. I was going to say. You, so he didn't, I promise you didn't I was going to say bullshit. Because bullshit. Okay. bullshit is a curse. It's just a no. bull and a shit. shit. That's right. But Together. My no. wife's not down on the bullshit. But Uh-oh. the thing I would say, though, is that's really smart as part. Yeah. People don't realize, yeah. Nobody in attendance, but the owners are paying for that lack of attendance. And guess what the other owners are paying for, too, is the value of a billion two, billion three. Because now, if that team's worth a billion two, then the next team's worth a billion four, billion five. And they're willing to pay that central fund allocation yeah. just for that. That's a good point. You know? Next question. Question here from Paul. How would you recommend to a college student to find a marketing job in today's ever-changing sports market? Very good question. Tenacity, 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 and don't overprice yourself, which means if they're offering you $1 and you bid a dollar and a half, be ready for a no and don't look back. You've got to make sure that you understand that this is a very competitive business. When I started in my world after Harvard Law, you know, it's not it's not arrogant, just factual. I went down to, back to Miami. I, I watched the Miami Dolphins. There were no other expansion franchises in Miami. I knew that if I wanted to do the business and stay in Miami, I had to bring teams in. So I got a commitment from the governor to put this sports authority together, get the arena, get the Miami Heat, get the Panthers, get the Marlins. But at the end of the day, Nick Bonacani, who used to play for the Patriots and the Dolphins, middle and Joe Robbie, a great line, middle linebacker, Knight School, Suffolk Law School. After I went to a law firm, by the way, for 10 minutes and didn't like it, he said, all right, come work with me. And Joe Robbie, the owner of the Dolphins, they put together a deal. I went home with my wife and I said, by the way, I was making forty-five grand first year after law school, which way back in leather helmet days, trust me, that's a lot of money. That was a lot of it's money. It's a lot of money yeah, back good then. Money. Good for you. And well, good for me. But I walked away from it, and I made thirteen grand with a cobbling together of the sports authority and Nick Bonacani. My answer to my wife that day was, "Look, we're going to have to cut back a little bit, but I'm coming home happy." And she said, "Oh, great, that's fine." But you know, she's been great too. But the bottom line is. It's not sacrifice because you get to the point if you're getting into the business 
be tenacious, send letters to everybody, be diverse. Don't just study one thing, study a lot of different things. The wild, wild west is no longer. When I was starting, no, there was no such business. Today, it's clearly defined, but there are 448 programs, management, law, administration, and sports. So it's really competitive, but there are also a lot of opportunities. That's true. Question from Ruth. Why is it that athletic events have almost become impossible to afford tickets for the average family? Wow. That's a good question, and you take it. because It's, it's yeah. the same reason why Mercedes-Benz is a lot of money. Yeah, well, that's, a good, that's a really good it's point. It's because a lot of people want it, and a lot of people will pay. And, and you need some way to pay the salaries of these people, and it's a cycle. The answer also is that there ought to be, and there are in a lot of markets, opportunities where a fan who is a fan that's just getting in ought to be able to buy cheap seats. Um, and because everybody shouldn't totally sell out. Yankees, remember, they've had some issues with those wonderful $1,500 game suite seats that are they're empty. They made business decisions to do that. But every deal that I ever did on my stadium process has always been to keep a number of seats out that are reasonably priced because you want to pass that on to the next generation. Because, Ruth, when you uh, – talk and you get turned off by the game because you can't afford it that impacts your kids and your kids kids but what i would say ruth is that now with all the like you know electronic tickets and stub hub yeah. and everything else yeah. if you're really a fan right. if you keep track of a lot of that stuff that's you can right. find really really weak parts of the market where you can go steal tickets that's right for very very little money if you're a little bit flexible about when you want to go you'd be surprised. when he says steal by the way he means cut a good deal don't take him literally that's not we're not well ste you know stealing is about getting your edge getting the advantage yeah, not doing anything illegal no but but there are opportunities to really get an advantage yeah. you know sometimes on a holiday weekend that's right you know you go the day before you pick up a hundred dollar ticket for 25 bucks yeah and i think people are, are naive to that but that's kind of how it works and listen i got my first lexus you know, on a deal. It was The guy yeah. was the last Lexus on the line. He's getting the new ones in tomorrow. And I got a steal on that, but I couldn't afford the Lexus if I bought it there when it just came out. When I think of Brandon Steiner, I think deal. That's what well, I think. I think deal. I try. I'm it's trying. Compliment. That's but, a compliment. You know, but the knock on Steiner is that we are too expensive. It's a concern of mine. You know, it bothers well, me that yeah. the players demand a lot of money. I know. And you're battling. You know, leagues want a little bit of that. And yeah. So you're just trying to battle. Yeah, you've but got an I issue. would say... That's why I have an auction platform. Yeah. That's why I do these specials right. like once a month where you can go steal and, and some of our closeouts and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, if you're, if you're somebody who has to be more nimble on your money, then you just got to be smarter. And by the way, you are, at the risk of, again, being a little gratuitous, you are, the, you are the keeper of the brand, and you can't afford to underprice your brand because your brand is something special. Yeah, I try. I mean, you know, the Steiner brand is something that was very, very much a focal point for me even before we were a brand. Yeah, I remember that. It has to be. I know. Uh, question, question here from Scott. Does baseball need to focus on younger fans to survive? Well, not only do they need to, but they're doing it. So part of the issue now is baseball in the inner cities, the development of the academies for the kids, the more they do device-related content. So MLB at bat is one of those things that I take everywhere now. I, I never thought my daughter was looking and said, you're using your cell phone more than I've ever seen you use. Well, I'm a Cub fan. I can't watch the games on TV. I, I got to watch them on the device. Well, I'm the oldest guy probably who's watching that stuff because there's a whole generation of kids who are now understanding this 
four-minute content. The games can now be reduced. Where if you want to see the whole game, you can watch it in twelve minutes. I mean, that love be, the yeah. NBA. The, the last two. Isn't that, that great? Uh, yeah, well, it's Adam, all good. Adam Silver is another rock star, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's a just, rock star. He's another one of those and uh, prepared by David Stern. And, and I think it says a lot yeah. about when you leave your situation. How you leave it and who takes his place says a lot about you. And you got to be able to prepare for it. Now, Bill Daly probably with Gary Bettman, and you know you have a lot of guys. Roger with Paul Tagliabue. Everybody has had an internal guy who they've groomed. But do you uh, feel like the NHL is on the right track now? Looking back, I, I feel like I feel like the the ESPN thing was the probably the biggest miss. Like I feel like yeah. I don't watch the playoff games. I don't see them. No, and the marketing well, of the game is just not Bettman's thing. The NBA, although uh, NBA, the NBC deal has become better, better because better. And one of the things this year is it's a curse of the small market. So, you know, if Raleigh or Columbus had gotten into the finals, you still might have St. Louis and, and Boston. Now, I remember the Bobby Orr, the original six expansion thing. Yeah, it's exactly right. You and I remember that. And people in St. Louis and Boston may remember that, but not a whole lot of people know exactly what we're talking about right now. But 67? Uh, that's going to be a great series. Yeah, it's going to be a great series, classic, no matter what. Nothing yeah. like the old original sixes. But I worry about hockey because it's such a great sport. Playoff hockey is so good, but yet you rarely see these guys – PR, yeah. you really see features on them, right? And then you know that's where you miss any on ESPN or even a Turner or those kind of because they do the features, they do the studio shows, yeah. and you don't you don't see that. No, I, mean, I, I agree. Let me see those coming around. You watch the Sunday games, but you know you compete against a lot of other stuff on a Sunday in the spring and summer. I know. And yeah. NBC is doing a real good job of promoting it back yeah. into the Olympics. One of the things that he's between a rock and a hard place on, Gary Bettman, is that the Olympics uh, are in another time zone again. And so the players want to play for their countries. But the owners are saying, you know, we can't really take two months out, of, two weeks out of our schedule and just stop it. So it's a difficult decision. Just leave it at that. What do you think is going to happen? I think that he's going to, you know, because China again this year, I think he's going to sit it out again. And I think he's going to realize it's another cloud. But he's not going to have to deal with that for a while because the next 10 Olympics are going to be back in our time zone. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Such a great sport, though. You with me on that? I mean, you love hockey? I mean, does anybody feel the same way? Because I'm still trying to figure out where Versus is. Is it still on Versus? No. Oh, no. All right, that's gone. No, no, I'm that's showing you where my head's at. I mean, there's nothing like, first of all, I'm so excited, by the way, for all you Ranger fans out there, John Davidson's back in the house. Yeah. But, but, I love JD, by the way. Are they in the playoffs? Oh, no, they didn't make the playoffs this year. Did the Knicks? Oh, the Knicks didn't make the playoffs. No, this New York teams suck. Yeah, it, it's it's been a really, right. you know, but the, but the good news is, <laughs> with it, it up. if you look at the great adversities in your life, they yeah. usually are the instigators and the inspiration of change, to, of change that will spiral into greatness. And, and, look and at, that's where we're going. Yeah. The Knicks are about to spiral into greatness. Wow. The Giants and Jets, imagine both football teams are playing amazing football led by Eli Manning. Yeah. Imagine, imagine oh, wow. a Jet-Giant game that's meaningful. Sounds delusional, how, nothing yeah. in this water. How about, a ho- how about a homer, ladies and gentlemen? And, and that, that magic transformation with the Knicks, oh, it hasn't happened yet. When does that, that happen? When does that magic transformation with the Knicks happen? It's going to happen July 1, baby. We're going to get the, those two hot, hot, hot free agents. We are, huh? Okay, yeah. we'll see. We'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. I, I, think, I think Zion Williamson – Keeps Davis in 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 New Orleans because I think really what, yeah I do what that means is that becomes an interesting brand and it may be that he'd Davis be foolish is, to leave yeah well now he'd be foolish to leave yeah that's right to, so have you done uh, well you you haven't 
I guess officially, if you have a Zion Williamson, you couldn't talk about it until after the draft? Or No, I could. But I don't have him. We, don't we're have trying him? to figure out who his agent is. Anybody out there know who's Zion? Yeah. I mean, no. Who's his agent? Well, there's I heard so- Rock Nation, but then I've heard different people. I heard Rock Nation was talking to him. Yeah. I don't think that's true, but he's got six you know, sneaker deals out there that he's leveraging one against As he other. should, man. He's going to be a rock star. He's going to be a, ma- a And sneaker. the idea of taking that, night, that, that, that shoe and then deliberately blowing it up and being out a couple weeks, that was brilliant. <laughs> that's smart a smart move, right? But he's, 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 he's a spe- what I like yeah, about him is, is how much people rave about him off the court. As a human being. As a person. Yeah. And, and he, he, he has a sense of, uh, you know, um, the importance of community, yeah, being gratefulness, and, and that smile. A lot, of, a lot of stuff that a lot of kids his age don't usually that have. That smile is a Magic Johnson smile. Yeah, as well. You're right. Yeah. It's very magic. Like, yeah. yeah. by the way, my favorite player of all time, Magic Johnson. Yours? Yeah, um, Michael Jordan. You know, I, I knocked him earlier, but he because I was Bulls, Bulls fan growing up, and you know, you knew when he touched the ball, it was that's awesome. your guy. You're going to take if you get to take yeah. one guy with you somewhere to go play with whatever. You're taking Michael. I'm yeah. taking Magic. Yeah, Michael. I'm taking and magic. We'll, we'll, you know why I'm taking magic, by the way? Because, over Michael? Because because he, he can play more than one position. He can play all five. Yeah, right. <laughs> let's, let's give him credit where yeah, it's due. And he true. can coach. Yeah. And he can ultimately be the owner, too. I don't yeah. I don't need an owner. Right. I don't need a GM. I don't right. need a coach. And I can let him play all five positions. And by the way, pretty darn good businessman. Exactly. As well. He's, he's the best package I've, I've seen. And he's a good person. Yeah. Oh, the so, guy does so more for charity so and, you're, you're, and not and not shy of talking about making a difference out there for blacks, his yeah. theaters, minorities, right. yeah, urban development. I gotta tell you, he's the he's the best thing. I've well, seen. Wait, but but we heard like what half hour ago we heard he was on. So my, my, Michael Jordan was on Matt Rushmore. Now you're gonna carve his face off and put uh, put Magic's on, or is there a front and a back of Matt Rushmore? I was gonna throw up the Magic Bird thing as as, as a possibility of that combination changing the effect of kind of the way the NBA was about to go. But Michael Jordan was just too impactful for too many years, and in, in, in not only changing sports but changing sports licensing yeah he changed the trading card business at that point licensing clothing apparel i mean he just too big and then the game i mean what, what game was he was playing that you don't want to watch no i agree by the way magic bird i know we're getting old but you realize it's 40 years since that indiana state michigan state is 40 years man I'm, I'm just did you watch that game it was it even on tv it was on black and white i couldn't i could it's crazy <laughs> i had to turn the hamster i have to there. remind myself how good how good bird was yeah but it's just amazing how sometimes the, the stars are aligned to have those guys play against each other so often. I know. And I got to watch a couple of finals with the two of them. It's just amazing. A couple more questions. Got By good. the way, I know we're rattling off a whole bunch of business stuff, but this is a really good, influential, really inspirational book. You'll get By a lot way, out of this. By the way, one other thing is a shameless promotion. We're doing a tour, and that's one of the things I'm talking to the boss about. Over the next three years, we're going to go to 30 cities all across North America, and we're going to have some of our contributors as part of our panels at stadiums. Uh, like in, uh, in well, we've, we've already got commitments in, in, in New York and in Houston and Washington, and we're going to take uh, Zach Leonsis and Ted, his dad. Oh, cool. uh, we're going to put an event at Capital One Arena, and we're going to have Paul Tagliabue and Donald Dell, Washington-based people, there for a panel before a game. And we're going to invite the public, and we're going to see what we're going to do. And we've got to elevate it to, the, to, a, to a, a marketing position, so you and I are going to have a conversation. But over the next three years, that's what we're planning to do. Um, I assume you're picking this book up on Amazon, or you have a, is there a website? Yeah, it's mascotbooks.com and Amazon. Mascotbooks.com. Paul Tagle, but like people have a mixed review on yeah. him, on his. What, what's your what's his big what's his legacy? What's his significance? I think his legacy is, uh, is, is impact to, on the league. I think it's stability. Uh, you know, Pete Rozelle was sizzle. 
uh, Paul Tagliabue's stability. He talks like a lawyer. He behaves like a lawyer. He is a lawyer. He's a corporate guy, and he's measured. And he went through a lot of times with the NFL where he had to make some very difficult decisions. And I think, frankly, the biggest tragedy so far is he's been left off the Hall of Fame ballot in the NFL, or he hasn't been in the Hall of Fame because he has a few sports writers that don't particularly like him. I don't particularly think that the Hall of Fame should be only sports writers voting anyway. But I love the guy because he's become a really good friend. But, you know, he, he, he doesn't dance. He doesn't I sing. He was, I thought he was a solid commissioner. Yeah, right. You know, exactly. I thought the NFL had a phenomenal run underneath his leadership. Well, look at his numbers. I mean, you know, when he left, it was about 300% increase in franchise value, which is a lot of money. And licensing through the and roof. licensing through the through roof. Through the roof. Oh, that's but, right. Maybe the best run of licensing. I tend to focus on that. But yeah. I thought the NFL had maybe one of the best runs on licensing under his yeah. watch than maybe any league ever. He understood what the value was and how to protect it and cultivate it and nurture it. And remember he got in the whole, again, fight with Jerry Jones about who owns the rights and who owns the legacy and the star in the middle of the Cowboys stadium, whose star is it? Well, it's the NFL star, but it's, it's also a little bit of Cowboys the, star. I mean, I thought that was Jerry Jones's most one of the most phenomenal moves that I still today yeah. cannot believe that he walked in, told the owners he wanted his rights back, and the owner said, you will never exist without us, and gave it to him because yeah. they never thought it would work. And by the way, the rights payments, I don't know if you know that, but it's in here, is it 31 teams in the NFL get X, and he gets X. So it's like he gets a bit different money. Not he is a genius, man. He's yeah, a special right. And by the way, he's in, he and, and his brother, uh, or son, Stephen, they're in the book. Jerry Jones, maybe one of the great owners of all time. Of all time, right? For what he Would did. Would you say for yeah, even for the anything. stadium, the way he built it, everything he's done. Have you been in that stadium? Oh yeah, oh, I was. I was there for the have, first game. Have you gotten lost old. in that stadium? I've gotten lost in that. Stadium. I mean, you get lost in that stadium. The Super Bowl wasn't one of its best moments, no. but it was a, an amazing job he did. When I think about what we spent here in our stadiums, yeah, and what he did for a lot less and got a lot more. We got you got um, union issues here, and got, also his ability to draw. Yeah. Super Bowls, Final Fours, uh, you know, right. big college classic, yeah. NBA bowl All-Star games. Game. Yeah. yeah, he's, he's yeah, everything. He's, he's the real thing. He's the real thing. He's the real thing. All right, we got two more great questions here. First one's from Keith. If you two fellows could combine to purchase any team in any league, what team would it be and why? Well, I but that's not fair because he's yeah. gonna, you know, he's gonna say the Yankees. I mean, I mean, it's obvious, right? Well, there's no question. Well, if you want to make money anyway, but moving, <laughs> let's move the Yankees aside. All right. Yeah, you, are you obviously an elite yeah. brand that right. really deserves no comparison to any other brand. No. And it's been Steinerized already. So, you know, the Yankees, it's already, you already know it's got a good deal. I've had a small, <laughs> fractional, <laughs> minuscule yeah, yeah, no, no. impact on Wrong. what the Yankee brand Wrong. is, but I'm happy to be a sliver of it. Yeah. But, Move on. Next. But, you know, it, that's just, I mean, you got to give George Steinbrenner and, and the Yankees. I mean, yeah. it's a pretty good management team over there. Yeah. That doesn't happen by accident. But let's no. move away from that. Yeah. What would you want to buy? I'd want to buy. I'd want to buy the Chicago Bulls. They're a favorite team of mine. The NBA is going to go through a next value proposition when they figure out how to work out their global rights. You know, one of the problems is 2022 is when all the TV deals get redone. But I think the NBA, because they're going to be able to do these global deals, are going to be much higher. And I'm a Bulls fan, so I want the team in Chicago that currently sucks. So you think he could probably get, as you would say, a steal, and then bring back Michael Jordan to have him sell his interest in uh, the Charlotte Hornets, and he becomes the co-owner of the Bulls. It seems but like that's co-owner. where he belongs. Yeah. I would go and do two things. I would go and probably buy the Mets because wow. 
Do you have, don't you have a non-compete? Oh no, sorry. Yeah, and so we we're put moving inside just them because aside. it's such it's it's such an upside. <laughs> we put them, yeah. And That's I would true. just do so many things better yeah. and differently than well, what they're Pons, doing. Are you listening? Are you listening? I would do so many things better and differently than what they're doing. Yeah. And they have done a bunch mm-hmm. of things that are interesting, but um, I'd love to catch that team on the down on, on where they are now, and then see if I can go get the real rivalry with this what the city really needs. Yeah. There's nothing better when the Mets and Yankees are both cooking. If I couldn't get the Mets. I know it's going to sound weird, and I, listen, the Knicks would be amazing, but I'd be happy to buy the Nets. Wow, interesting. Yeah, a lot Nets. of people be happy to buy the Nets because yeah. the, with the Nets, it's up and coming. You see the potential, you know. But, you but at two point four billion, yeah, can you believe this guy bought, buys this team for like six hundred million and sells half of it for a I billion know. too? I know. Well, but see, the one thing you—how does uh, that work? The, the one thing the guy asked, by the way, in the question. He forgot to say for how much, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, these but are all good deals. But how does that work? Where well, a guy could buy that team for six hundred million and then sell half of it for a billion too? You know why? Because he found a sucker that's willing to pay a billion too, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's got to pay taxes. That sucker's made a lot, a lot of money though. Yeah, he's yeah. not a stupid guy. No, he's not a stupid. You guy. You think one day we're laughing about the fact that he only bought the half of the team for a million? A billion well, I'll tell two? you who is excited about it again is the rest of the NBA because they can all add and they say, "Look at what our franchises are worth." Right? Wow. Yeah. What's the most undervalued franchise right now? You think in sports that you know of? I think the Oakland A's because they got to get their stadium done. The same thing with Tampa. You know, Tampa's undervalued. They get the money from the central fund, right? Their Forbes put them at less than a billion dollars. That doesn't mean less than half a billion dollars. And the, the undervalued deals are the ones that where the stadiums haven't been done yet, and then they flip them. Aren't a whole lot of them left. You know, the NFL's yeah. gotten all their deals done, but yeah. I would say those two in baseball. Couple more. Okay. Uh, last one here is from Gregory. How does social media affect decisions to hire or fire GMs and coaches? These wow, days? I'll tell you, social media is one of those things, and then Brandon can have the last word on this one. It's fundamentally changed how we live. I'm not even talking about fake news, and I'm not even talking about uh, uh, lowering uh, our respect for discourse and journalism and everything else, but I'm also talking about how we make decisions as a society. Uh, journalists, you talk to some of the old-time journalists who are really good friends, and they're thinking, we can't write columns anymore because people want information in a minute. They, they don't need thinking. They need some instant reaction, even if it's not real. Uh, a, a, a guy who makes management decisions, look, Yankee and Mets people um, are rabid fans anyway, but if somebody makes a bad decision on a player who all of a sudden gets injured, that guy is the subject of 400 trillion tweets in a minute, and you got to have thicker skin. And I'm assuming that owners have to be a little more reserved because the feedback comes in a matter of minutes, not days or weeks. And it comes hard and often and yeah, big. Hard and often. It's yeah. scary. Yeah. I, I, I think the social media also has a big impact because the players have a more uh, crisp uh, voice to say exactly what they meant which in the past has been a little bit cloudy, where, you know, not always what they said was what got, gets written, yeah. taken out of context. And, and players have a very, very uh, a huge platform now to talk about what they want to talk about when they want to talk about it. Uh, I give them a lot of credit for that because I think overall, knowing what I've known over all these years, they handle it pretty well. I think generally yeah, they you know? do because the media wants to bottom fish the guys that make the mistake. Yeah. But that's only point. Oh, 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 one percent. They've done right? a good job. And the players, players Tribune, and all yeah. those companies where you actually can yeah. write that stuff and think about that stuff. But I, I like, can, I like what the players are putting out themselves. Yeah. yeah, we have a lot of really intelligent 
athletes out there. And as long as we have people who protect those brands, it's going to be really good. And I'm honored to be here with a guy who has done an amazing job at protecting your brand. And I love your book. Love to call you a friend. Thanks. To close, tell me one thing that. Tell me a little futuristic thing. You know, I always we used to watch the Jets and say, wow. And I yeah. imagine, you know, we're looking at phones yeah. and we're talking to each other. You know, I could see you. But tell me what's going to happen in sports 10, 20 years from now that will blow us away. I think 20 years from now we're going to have international events. And I'm not saying the NFL is going to expand to London. That's too simplistic. But I'm going to say that, you know, the NBA is such an international league. We're going to have events or and or games that just transcend North America. We are going to have one big interconnected globe where every young, middle-aged, and old fan can watch a game on a device. If he wants to go back to his cobwebs, he can watch it on TV. If he wants to see a snippet of it, he can watch it immediately. And the world 20 years from now is totally different than it is today. But players are going to still want more money. Owners are going to still sell their franchises for a lot more than they bought them for. And the world's going to be a wonderful place for those who have defined the business in sports memorabilia, stadiums, or otherwise. Well, thank you, Rick. Thanks for coming in. Give me one closing remarks of why someone should buy this book. What's going to be their big takeaway? The big takeaway is perspectives from 100 business leaders in the industry that have done diverse things how you get jobs, how you're interested in sports, what the trends are, and there's no book like this as we celebrate the 50 years of the sports business. I cannot believe how much you've done in this business. Trendsetter, thanks for coming on board. He'll answer your questions if we haven't gotten them all, so don't hesitate. Fire away. We'll go on Facebook later try to answer. Don't pick up this book. Don't do it. Pick up three copies. Three One copies. for you. One for a friend, and one for you know somebody who really needs to know a lot more about sports business, but they don't even know it. Pick it up. Good Father's Day gift. Good gift, grads. Good gift for somebody who's in sports business in school. Great book. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you soon. And this is Unplugged with Brandon Steiner.